Does God care about Christmas? I mean, for one, it's doubtful that December 25th is really Christ's physical birthday. The events that we see laid out in Scripture points actually more to an October birthday. And then there's other traditions like Christmas trees that most likely are of a pagan origin. I'm curious what y'all think, and I'd be happy to hear from you on this subject. I tend to believe that the more we put Jesus, the Messiah, first in all that we do concerning Christmas, the more we see God's blessing and hand in our holiday season. And I'm going to share with you a few ways that the Lord really met me very personally during the Christmas season. So stay tuned as Storming the Gates takes a look at God in our holiday season. Hello. Well, I am excited to share this special Christmas message with you. And I've got uh, three or four different little stories to share. I'll be reading from my journal. But I wanted to start first with a Facebook post I wrote. And I'd forgotten all about it. But a friend of mine reposted it this year. I am super honored she did that. And it shows the way God works in our heart in the most simple of ways. Here's what I wrote. Quote, along with other grandparents and parents, I was enjoying a junior version of Elf performed by rosy-cheeked young ones. In between the play's touching and silly moments, the curtain closed, and a couple of the young actors and actresses would step out and lead in a Christmas carol before the next scene. It was clear the greater portion of the audience did not know the songs beyond the chorus, or knew them at all. But I, I was transported to Christmases past, Christmases wearing velvety dresses and joining my own chorus of boys and girls. We practiced every Saturday for weeks for the children's program in our Lutheran church. I would sing them again at the church's Christmas Eve service. That was a magical service, cloaked with the lights and surrounded with the music of organs. Back then, the carols were still but a backdrop to the presents I eagerly awaited on Christmas morning. That changed when, as a young adult, I surrendered my wounded soul to Jesus. That first Christmas, after becoming a born-again believer, I sang them again in a darkened theater where my new church held services. This time, I actually heard the words. Words about how the earth mourned for deliverance until the day spring from on high had come. Words about the word of the Father now in flesh appearing. And words about the light and life, behold, he brings to a world lost in death and darkness. Tears flowed down my cheeks as the meaning of the carols came to life. So there is my first story of how God touched my heart. And that was a miracle all in itself. I went from being self-absorbed at Christmas to all of a sudden seeing the splendor and beauty of the carols that I had sung about for so long. And here's the challenge I want to put before you. I want to ask you to listen to the words of the carols this year. And if your soul is not moved, and maybe it's because you have yet to really truly invite the Holy Spirit into your life. So do that. And let the Lord minister the truth of these words. The greatest gift of all is found 
in the words of those old Christmas carols. Alrighty, and now I want to turn uh, our attention to the story of the star. Um, I would always come up with what I hoped would be meaningful programs for the children in the Sunday school to perform each Christmas. And we had a lot of fun making them. Sometimes we'd laugh so hard we'd roll on the floor. And these same skits were usually born of my reading a real-life story that inspired my heart. And it was one such Christmas that I was deeply focused on the star. I had read an article outlining what the actual star might have been and how the Magi came to follow its appearance in the sky. Well, that got me working on a skit about the star. Or should I say, the star about how a living star wanted all the attention for herself, but never could get it until she shone the way to Jesus. And then she realized that Jesus was the brightest star of all. (laughs) Well, one night I had returned home from working on the play, And I was changing into my pajamas, ready to enjoy some rest between some warm flannel sheets after another long day. I gazed out our piano window. And if you don't know what that is, that's a small window that's placed up high on the wall. It's designed to be above an upright piano. And we did live in an old house at that time. Well, when I looked out that window, there, among the thousands of stars in the cold, clear winter star winter sky. I'm sorry. I saw a star like none I had ever seen before. I was completely captivated with that brilliant light and the beams that just streamed out in every direction from the center and how how large it was in comparison to the pinpricks of light around it of normal stars. And I remember thinking, that must be what the star of Bethlehem looked like. I turned away for a moment. When I looked out the window again, it was gone. The thousand pinpricks of light from all the lesser stars were still there against the night sky. It was a clear night, but what I had just observed was gone. And keep in mind, I lived in a tiny town in the big woods. It was pretty much pitch dark in my little neighborhood. Well, I know that what I saw was a gift from God. I believe he gave me a glimpse of the star the Magi saw so many years before. It's kind of like I told someone the other day at our prayer group, I said, me and the star Bethlehem have a very special relationship. It's just something I'm very attracted to. And that is partly why I'm so enamored with a lovely star that was atop my daughter's tree one year. It wasn't, you know, your normal flat five-pointed star, but a glowing orb with lighted spikes on all the angles. My daughter told me her mother-in-law purchased it for her. So I messaged the mother-in-law, and she ended up sending me one as a gift. And that is a treasure, and I love to see it on my tree. This is the first year I got to put it on my tree. I love how the Lord gives us special connections to pieces of his great story in the Bible. Um, So my next little Christmas miracle is going to be a miracle of provision I mean, I'm telling you, when I was raising my kids, we were poor folk. And I'm going to read this out of my journal, and um, you'll see what I'm talking about. So this is was written in 1992. I said, yesterday, I wrote out our check to credit counseling. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about our finances, right? And I set it in the mailbox. Then I carefully counted our Christmas money. 
$100 for the kids. Keep in mind, we had five of them and $80 for others. That wasn't bad. I arranged to go shopping Tuesday, asking my mom to babysit and went off happily. As time lapsed, I noticed the red flag on the mailbox was still up. I thought perhaps the mailman had come and forgot, but when I went down, no, it was still there. And then I realized I had forgotten a stamp. So I carried it back to the house. I felt too tired to dig out stamps and decided to mail it later at the post office. Well, this becomes significant because we, cho- we choose to bring it to the credit counseling office instead. So I go on. At 3.30, my husband came home ready to go shopping. Hun, I sort of moaned. I plan to do that tomorrow. But I'm home early today. Let's go. So after picking up a food basket at St. Vinny's, and then they wrote out a coupon for $30, I dropped off my little loved ones at Grandma's, and we hurried to Iron Mountain to get to Credit Counselors by 5, which is when they closed. And again, keep in mind, I only did this because my envelope to them had not been picked up by the mailman. There, Don, after asking how much we had for Christmas, took us to St. Vinny's, where toys had been donated for his clients, and he ordered us to pick out three for each child. Then he pulled out tons of food and plopped a 22-pound turkey and a whole ham in my husband's arms. One last thing, he stated, a man asked me to give something to a needy family, so I'm giving it to you. On the premise, you spend it only on Christmas. We're like, of course. And then he plopped $50 cash on us. After thanking him profusely, we went to dinner. We wanted a paper, but they were out. We just said, don't worry, God has one for us. And sure enough, the host had one sitting neatly out by the register. Well, after a glorious dinner where we discussed how cool God was and the neat ways he was working, we went shopping. The store was packed. Now, I neglected to mention that in the car, I told my husband, God must have a reason for shopping on Monday instead of Tuesday. Well, I assumed that the generosity we found at the credit counseling office had to be it. But we went into the store and there were sales everywhere. The rollerblade baby my daughter Bethany wanted was on sale for $26. Oh, a lady said, plus you get $30 off with coupons at front. It was $30 off any toy. Well, that brought the rollerblades down to $20. We bought many nice things on sale, including red light specials with 42-piece microwavable set for five bucks. A quick excursion to Kmart showed only empty aisles and a few specials, so we went back to the previous store. And it was only then I saw on the door a sign that said, Monday, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., specials, red lights, and coupons. Well, this morning, I still stand in awe of God because, see, we live in Crystal, which is a tiny city, and I don't get the news about sales in Iron Mountain, which is where we were shopping, but God does. We were able to get Christmas tapes for our church family, buy toys for nieces and nephews in time to mail them. Thanks, God. Yep. I have always decided to have a simple, bare Christmas, and you have always dumped handfuls of blessings on us just because you love us. 
And I didn't write it down here, but I remember that when we came back from shopping that night with this abundance of toys and gifts for our kids and family and church members, that there's someone else had dropped off like a box full of even more presents. That was the most presents my kids ever opened. I mean, I think we put them under the tree and they took up the entire living room. We felt like, what are we doing with all these presents? It's crazy. <laughs> all right, I have one more story to share with you. And it actually took place after Christmas, but it shows you my poverty mindset a little bit, but how God took care of that. Alrighty, so what uh, I'm about to read you, I wrote a couple years after the previous story, 1228-94. I wrote, Christmas was the smoothest and easiest ever, despite the average sort of sinner I am. However, despite a joyous caroling night, my brother visiting, and a tremendous Christmas Eve service, I was thrilled because we had 60 adults in our little chapel, and the kids' Christmas Day play being so good. Wow. Well, forget the however. It really, really was a great Christmas. I then go on to explain how a very good friend of mine stood up to receive the Lord at the Christmas Eve service. And I will say she went on to walk with the Lord uh, the rest of her life and how we shared Jesus with a couple other people. And then I went on. Presents abounded, but money ran out. And the day after Christmas, when I found out my husband had spent $90 on me, I was angry, and the anger simmered into a blow-up. How could you spend $90 on me when I said only 20 and now we're out of the bare necessities, etc., etc.? And on top of this, the rug set that he had bought was too small, and he had to take it back, but could not find the receipt. He called down to the store, but they said, no receipt, you're only going to get $60 back. Well, my daughter, Grace, on hearing our arguing, said, you act like God can't provide. <laughs> well, it was our mistake, I spat back. We can solve it by taking back the answer machine the church gave us. But my husband and I both felt bad taking the church people's gift money and buying groceries. But we felt we had no choice. The kids went to bed, and my husband went to the store. And when he came back, he handed me $200, which, as you can imagine, was a lot of money back then for me. What is this? And then he told me that the store had insisted, even though he protested, he admitted he protested weekly, that the rug set was worth more. And the interesting thing is that I wanted $200 to buy a large rug set for our living room. So God's grace came through. We were certainly in sin, doubting and angry, and still God provides and then I wrote, I have no doubt God gave us the full worth of the rugs to prove himself faithful, even when we are faithless. Well, I'm going to end this Christmas story time there with that reminder that no matter how we falter, God still loves us. He loves doing things for us. He loves being with us, and he enjoys all that we do with him and for him. And I want to invite you to invite him into your life, into your season this Christmas. In fact, let's just pause and pray right here and now. Lord, you are awesome, and I'm so thankful for all the many Christmases we've had where you have blessed us, taken care of us, 
provided above and beyond all we could ask or think. And even the ones that were simple, Lord, your presence is enough. Your gift of your son is enough. And I ask that if anyone out there right now has never given you their life, that this would be the Christmas year that they stand up and confess that I desire Jesus to be my Lord and to save me. I repent of my sin and I give him my life. He gave you the greatest gift of all this Christmas. The one gift you can give back is yourself. Merry Christmas. God bless you. We'll see you in a couple weeks when we get back to Esther for such a time as this. But also, in the meantime, over the holiday season, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your Christmas stories. Um, And you can get a hold of me on a few different ways. One is my Facebook page. It's called Faith and Fasting. And also, there is the website, stormingthegates.net. And also on Twitter, where my handle is stormingthegat1. We'll see you there. Merry Christmas. Have a great new year.